1: That's right, when you don't know what to do, just keep on breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles and a big Apple welcome in New York City. Welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land, too. I am Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Adrian Gruberg from the Caregiver's Space. Say hello, hello. Adrienne. <laughs> See, she's there. Coming to you live and on demand 24-7 on 25 global audio and video platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Facebook Live, SoundCloud, Talk Radio, and I can go on and on, 20 more platforms around the world. And we are so proud to be voted number one, numero uno, caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and one of the top six best podcasts by Caring.com as well as number three podcast out of thousands on Caregiver Podcasts on Feedspot. Our guest today, Sue Johansson. Welcome to the show, Sue.
2: Thanks so much. Thanks for having me.
1: Hey, it's our pleasure. And, uh, you know, my mother had dementia. My mother-in-law had dementia. Uh, A Place for Mom was one of the places we called, many, (laughs) just to get some information. And you don't mind people calling you just to get information, do you?
2: We do not. You know, a large part of what we do is help educate families. Oftentimes when they're reaching out, um, this is a category that they have no exposure to. It's not something that you are aware of until you need it. Um, And so we are happy to uh, point them in the right direction, give them some education, and provide some resources.
1: That's right. You know, and you guys were so gracious. I mean, you didn't make me feel guilty like – well, I don't know. Are you going to come here? Because I won't give you any information if you don't. You didn't have none of that. <laughs> so right. Very nice. I mean, you you treated me like I was a customer, giving you lots of money, and um, and I was milking it for all I could. I got all the free advice I wanted, <laughs> and you graciously gave it to me. Uh, they both ended up staying in their homes until they needed to go into assisted living, which we found one, and then they needed to go into a nursing home. Um, it was a journey. They're both gone now, say. and uh, I'm glad they're gone, and they're glad they're gone because uh, it wasn't fun for any of us.
0: <laughs> no, Dementia it isn't.
1: Is a terrible, terrible thing. Um,
2: it is absolutely.
1: So uh, I like to ask our guests the first question: uh, Who is Sue Johansson, and why was she put on this earth? <laughs>
2: Such a long question. Uh,
1: yeah, since we don't yeah.
2: have all day, I will, I will narrow it down to, um, uh, so I'm Sue Johansen. Yeah, as it relates to kind of the caregiver topic, um, I was put on this earth, I think, to uh, assist my family. Initially in in this uh, journey, and then now to help others navigate it in the best way possible. And I believe that it's a journey that's different for every person. Um, yeah. They enter the search at different places, and and not um, you know not one answer is right for everybody, and so a lot of what we do, as we talked about earlier, is just exposing people to the spectrum of options out there mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. helping to determine what's right, and what what's right today might not be what's right a year from now or two years from now, and so it really is about understanding what your options are at any point in the journey and making yeah. the de- best decision possible.
1: Yeah, you use a curious word, uh, spectrum, because I think of... Autism, right? Well, my child has autism. My grandson has autism, and they don't say that anymore. They say, "Well, he's on the spectrum of autism," Mm -hmm. and you know, it's a circle and it's a diagram. Talk to us about the spectrum of senior living. I get it; it must be just as complicated and plentiful as (laughs) uh, as autistic.
2: (laughs) Exactly, slightly, yeah, slightly different focus, but absolutely, you know, really, senior living starts at you know, kind of senior apartments, which um, are essentially apartments for those 55 and older um, and meant to aggregate seniors in an environment where everybody is dealing with the same challenges. And so, you know, there is a sense of community. Uh, no care services provided, no meals, no housekeeping. It's simply an apartment. And then we can goes, go
1: – I'm sorry yeah. to interrupting. We can go back even further, and let's start with the home because – Maybe they just can stay at home, but they need uh, someone to provide services for four hours a day or eight hours a day. Maybe they need to live there. Maybe they need room and board in exchange you know, for lowering the cost. So start with the very, very basic because nobody yeah. wants to go out of their home. They live there for 40, 50 years, and they freak out when their kids, their adult children, are trying to – you know, move them somewhere because they're worried about them. You know, they could fall. Maybe they live far away. So explain from the very beginning. Start with the the least intrusive, and then you know, go up the ladder or the spectrum. Sure, sure.
2: and that's kind of where I was started. So senior apartments, there's no talk of care, right? You don't need any services at that point, and so that's really, as we view it, the kind of the start of the spectrum. Of senior living, you know, as you say, and then um, it goes from there to independent living, um, and that is kind of like a senior apartment, but you add some services, so there are meals and housekeeping. Still, no care necessary. Um, once somebody starts needing care or help with what we call activities of daily living, things like bathing, medication management, just queuing up memory issues, then that opens it up to even further options, right? You mentioned home care. Home care is something that many people choose if they do want to stay in their homes and if their homes are good options for them. Um, You know, you can have somebody come into your home for as little as two hours um, and all the way up to 24-hour care at home. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, some things that you want to consider are Is the home the right environment? Is it safe for the senior? Does it maximize, you know, their ability to be um, cognitively stimulated and, you know, have a good quality of life? And for some people, that's absolutely yes. For other people, you know, they may be in a situation that isn't healthy for them, and so providing care in the home isn't a good option. Um, So then you need some place where you can be residentially, and that starts at, as I said, independent living has some um, services that you offer. So somebody who may be in their home, not really need um, help with their activities of daily living, but really isn't cooking for themselves any longer. They may have lost a spouse, and the spouse did all the cooking, and all of a sudden they're challenged with getting nutritious meals. Um, And so living in an independent living community provides the housekeeping and meals um, but isn't necessarily a care environment. Um, once somebody does need help with what we call those activities of daily living, then you know, assisted living um, is kind of that next step in that it provides you know, meals, transportation, housekeeping, but also personal care. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a difference between medical care and personal care. Um, and so in an assisted living community you can get help with things like bathing um, you know queuing for meals medication management um, you know transfer from sitting to standing those kinds of things um, that are that are care services but not medical Care services, um, and then of course for those with cognitive challenges, there are memory care communities that specialize in programming for those with cognitive challenges, mm-hmm. Alzheimer's dementia, um, and then all the way to a skilled nursing uh, community where you've got medical care available for those invasive needs. Um, you know, somebody with a feeding tube, or if you need right. um, insulin-dependent diabetic. Um, that needs injections daily, that kind of environment. So it truly is a spectrum, all the way from, you know, just wanting to get socialization to the heaviest of medical needs.
1: And is, um, uh, I'm I'm looking for the word, uh, hospice and palliative care on that spectrum as well?
2: Hospice and palliative care can be layered into almost Mm. all of those environments, right? (laughs) Certainly in the home environment, um, at assisted living, in um, a a, a skilled nursing facility. So palliative and hospice care are really more of an approach towards treatment um, Mm -hmm. and a gathering of resources helping that person, you know, for whom there is a, a limited amount of time left and they've been given that diagnosis. To help ease both the patient and the family um, into kind of a humane path.
1: Yeah. Um, like I said before, I've spent hours on the phone with uh, you guys and multiple phone calls. Um, what's in it for you? I mean, why do you take the time and spend so much time talking to people who may mm-hmm. never choose your services?
2: And then how do you you guys make
1: your money, you know?
2: Yeah, so we make our money when we do place somebody, right? We work with, you know, communities across the country, and that's ultimately where we realize revenue for what we do. But we're also a company who has a mission of, you know, helping to provide uh services and assistance for families who are facing this this challenge and you Mm -hmm. don't go through many conversations with families who are at the end of their rope and you are their lifeline without realizing that there's more to this than you know just the revenue you can generate you know people truly need help navigating this space Mm -hmm. Um, and so our senior living advisors uh, who work in local communities across the country are people on average who have been with us for about five years, but who have been in senior living for about 12. So they, they know the senior living world, and they've worked with a lot of families, and they have great empathy for people on this journey. And so that's why we engage and educate, because not only is it the right thing to do, but as I said, today you may not want to engage with us, or you may not need our services, but tomorrow you may, or you may talk to a friend because, you know, those of us who have grown children and aging parents tend to talk to others about the experience because it is or can be such a jarring thing to all of a sudden have this need and not know how to navigate it. So, um, yeah. you know, our, our people can offer help, and we do.
1: Adrienne, what experience uh, or uh, referrals have, have do you have with uh, Place for Mom? Because I mentioned well, it. And you Oh, yeah, I know that place very well.
0: Uh, but I wanted to know when. Okay, my mother-in-law did not need help with assisted daily living. She needed basically companion. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't want her. She was uh, 90 years old with lymphoma. She was going through treatment. Um, she needed someone to go with her, and and I mean I. I was dealing with my husband's cancer, too, at the time. Hmm. So we brought in five different women so that she was part of the process and could choose the woman that she connected with. Now, how do you work as far as that goes, if it's going to be somebody that's in the home? you does does the the patient have the ability to make some sort of selection or how does yeah, it work? So,
2: yeah, a place where mom doesn't operate, um, you know, Agencies of any sort, right? So we would, we would send you a referral to a a home care company or organization that could provide that. And, and what I would suggest is, you know, we know that home care and the success of home care is so dependent on That fit, right? I mean, it is such a thing about fit and approach. And so, you know, what we tell people who are looking at home care as an option is to absolutely sit down with the home care uh, company, have them, they usually do an assessment in the home. So they meet the resident, they see the home, they see what they're dealing with, and really talk about the things that are important. You know, if, if you're talking with, uh, you know, you're, about your dad, and he's kind of a curmudgeon and doesn't like to engage, and, you know, you don't want somebody who's like Mary Poppins coming in and wanting to sing a happy tune, right? You want somebody who's going to do what he needs,
1: stay Uh out of the
2: way, be there for assistance, but, you know, don't get on his last nerve. You know, hopefully,
0: and, and then, hopefully, he'll warm up to her.
1: Yeah. Would, you please, <laughs> would you please define the word curmudgeon for those who don't know? <laughs> oh,
0: absolutely. Somebody
2: who is maybe a little salty, um, sometimes uh, sarcastic and not wanting to engage, um, and somebody who um, doesn't want anybody in their business for the most part, right? And so um, a difficult thing to walk into as a, hair, uh, as a caregiver, especially somebody who's a, an empathetic caregiver. And so, you. but it's, you know, that's his home, that's his environment, and you need to be prepared for that. And, and so with everything, the more honest you can be about the, the resident and their needs, the better match that you can find, and, and you know, we find that when we talk to families, they're sometimes in adult children are oftentimes in denial about what a what a, <laughs> uh, a parent really needs. Uh, they tend to underplay the amount of care or assistance somebody needs because they're looking at their parent through the child's filter, mm-hmm. um, and you know, they they think that this is what mom used to do. But mom may right. not want to do that any longer, right? And so it's really about understanding the residents' desires, where they're most comfortable. We talk a lot about, you know, the greatest generation going through senior care right now. Um, they're not—they're not a generation that cared about chandeliers and and fixtures and finishes, right? They're—they're they're a generation that that did without themselves so their children could have more. And you know we're for the most part not real fancy in the environments that they chose, and so sometimes adult children look for something that's entirely different. And so understanding the resident, what their needs are, where they're most comfortable, really allows us, as we're talking to families, to find the right environment. And just like with home care, it's
0: all about the fit.
1: Yeah, now, I know. Since we're on, I since have, we're on the sub, go ahead, Andrea.
0: I just have another question about. If, if someone really wants home care but yep. needs, needs for their mental health and really their health, overall health, um, companionship and socialization, mm-hmm. um, how, how do you get that person to accept that decision and, and move into that role.
1: Yeah, and I let think, me let me piggyback mm. my question, because they're very similar. Mm. <laughs> I was going to say, since we're on the subject of curmudgeons, uh, it yeah. sounded like you were describing every elderly <laughs> <laughs> person who, who is faced with the uh, decision that their kids are making for them of, of right? going into a, an unfamiliar uh, territory. What's the best way to win over one of them?
2: Yeah, I think there are a couple of things. Yeah, I think there are a couple of things that are important. One is, you know, very few people understand what today's senior living looks like, right? So when we talk to adult children, we're usually, you know, if their if their parent is in their 80s, we're talking to an adult child in their 60s, and they may have visited a grandparent. In what they called a nursing home at that point, uh-huh. and we're talking about the linole- linoleum hallways and the wheelchairs lined up, and and that's their vision of what senior right. living is, right? And so, if you were to ask somebody like that, you know, when do you want to move your mom or dad into into senior living? Um, you know, the 12th of never may come up, right, for them. Right. But uh, when if they were to see today's senior living, right, with Um, you know, uh, a movie theater and restaurant-style meals and, you know, engagement and and, um, volunteer opportunities, all kinds of different things that are are functional in today's senior living, they may say, hey, not so bad. You know, mom or dad needs that socialization. I Definitely. see other seniors participating in things that I know my mom or dad would like, this might not be so bad. So the first step is for the adult child to truly understand it. Because when you're faced with you know, being discharged from a skilled nursing facility in 48 hours and you've got to find some place to move a senior, um, you know, you're grappling with uh, what to do and you have this antiquated notion of what senior living is it just compounds the problem. So for the adult child to understand what it is, they can then, you know, make an informed decision and include mom or dad in that decision, right? You know, there are a couple of communities here, you know, this one has an opportunity for gardening, this one doesn't, this one, you know, if you're talking about moving a dad, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. the male population in the community makes all the difference. We know that senior living communities are are 80-plus percent women, um, and sometimes that sounds great to a man, and sometimes it sounds yeah. like the worst place on earth. Um, if he meat, can't, you know,
1: they, they date like they're in <laughs> junior high over there. It's, it's, yeah.
2: <laughs> can, or that men just think, you know, they've listened to women nagging at them their whole lives, and they don't <laughs> want it any longer. So, you know, it's just really understanding that, understanding the environment, and once you do that, you can position it in a much more positive way, To a parent, and you can really say, hey, you know, you love to do these things. You're not doing them for yourself any longer because you can't. If you can go into this environment and have, you know, your meals taken care of, but there are people around to engage with you in this way, I actually think that you'll do better. And I'm concerned about you, and you need to know that. And, you know, this isn't a tenable situation that we've got. So let's together come up with the right solution.
1: Now, obviously, it goes without saying that caregiving is a very stressful uh, yeah. job. I call it one of the deadliest occupations around, right yeah. up there with uh, disarming uh, nuclear warheads and, uh, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Uh, what's your personal experience with caregiving? Because uh, you sound like you know what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, so I, uh, both my father, uh, who passed last year, um, and my mother-in-law, who passed uh, five years ago now, um, you know, I helped in their caregiving plan, and for my mother in law she had uh, alzheimer 's and um, you know plateaued at a certain point, but it was a you know a pretty pretty uh, brutal progression for her mm. um, and so helped my father in law to understand that he was somebody who had seen um, his brother-in-law cared for his wife at home and was going to tough it out and be valiant and wanted to be that caregiver, um, if it killed him or not, and it was heading there. Um, and so helped him to see that he, when he was a caregiver, it was important to him to do all the right things. And so he was great at making sure, you know, um, he had fresh laundry and and my mother in- law you know was not in soiled clothes or things like that. So for him, that was his vision in his mm-hmm. mind that was his duty. But he didn't provide any social stimulation or cognitive yeah. stimulation. He was taking care of stuff largely around her, but not with her. And so he had uh, he chose to attend. Um, a college reunion, and so for a respite, I was able to get him to decide to have my mom stay at a, my mother-in-law stay at a local senior living community, and to see her perk up in that week was incredible with all the stimulation and the socialization and all of that. She ate better. Um, She, you know, she would allow a shower, all of these kinds of things that are such a challenge to caregivers. Um, And so when he got back, we talked about that, and, and, you know, it was really an emotional discussion. He was trying to do the best he possibly could for her and do right by her, but was hurting himself physically. I mean, he had, you know, high blood pressure by that time. His back had gone out a couple of times. He was running himself into the ground, and she wasn't better off. So getting him to see that combination um was a challenge without offending him and all of the great things he was trying to do so that was that was that experience and then my father was a totally different experience my father (laughs) was a bit of a curmudgeon um who doesn't believe didn't believe in doctors uh had not been to a, a doctor did had no cognitive issues um and was just starting to feel a little bit sick in that last year of his life and so started slowing down and so Helped my mom to understand who's ten years his junior and teaches senior yoga, um, and uh, you know starts her morning with a three-mile walk just to you know to get a uh, smile on her face, to, to understand that he was at a different phase and what that meant to him, and allowing him to age and slow down in an mm-hmm. appropriate way, um, and you know very thankful that he went into an emergency room on a Friday and was uh, dead by Sunday. He had a tumor that um, that exploded and um, you know took him immediately and he would never have done anything about anything any diagnosis (laughs) that he had been given and so it was a blessing to him as a human being and to my mom at never having to play that terrible caregiver role. So I, I have it from two different sides of yet another spectrum um, and am able to see kind of into that and and understand that, like I said, it's very different for everybody and you've just got to find the right solution. And there's no shame in either choosing to, you know, to muscle it out if that's what you're going to try and do or in admitting that this is killing you and you've got to find a better solution.
1: Yeah. uh Yeah. Roll the dice, play the odds, be the long shot. You might get lucky, <laughs> but probably not. Uh, we're going to take right. a break. And when we come back, I want to talk about, you brought up an interesting point about uh, you know, the isolation. He was taking care of everything around her, but not her. Now with COVID-19, I'd like to talk about your perspective on uh, all these seniors and the isolation and the, the family can't come and visit. So we'll be right back. Don't go away. Dave Nassani, the caregiver's caregiver, has just released his sixth book entitled, It's My Life Too, Thrive to Stay Alive as a Caregiver. It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through, because he is one. He now speaks all across the country, offering caregivers his amazing caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency to put your oxygen mask on first before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out, thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child. And caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. Thrive and stay alive as a caregiver will help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet and social life and learn to put their needs first. Pick up your copy today or buy one for your special caregiver. On sale everywhere and at caregiverdave.com. And we're back with Sue Johanson and my lovely co-host Adrian Gruberg. I'm Dave Nassani, Caregiver Dave. And I want to talk about COVID-19. And, uh, you know, everyone talks about the effect of uh, COVID-19 on children if they don't return to school. What's the effect on <laughs> seniors who... Who are isolated and can't get visitors? Uh, tell us about that.
2: Yeah, so I think um, you know there, we've got seniors who are at home and isolated, um, and you know going to a grocery store um, right now is is a difficult thing to do. And so I think you know more than ever, I think this is allowing families to see that for somebody who isn't able um, to be nimble and to you know prepare for themselves and. Um, all of this, that they need a game plan, right? You know, I think I think COVID has taught us all a lot of lessons as we've lived through it. Um, you know, we've seen the the disparity of experience. For lots of people uh, in the world, depending on what you have access to, and I think for seniors who don't have access to food and medications and the things that they need to keep healthy, um, it's a terrible time. And so I think you know we've seen we've seen in our business um, that after the president made the announcement about the pandemic, um, that changed the consumer mindset, and so we started getting people who decided that they were going to hold off making any decisions to see what this was all about. And mm-hmm. so the, the people that we were helping in April, probably, for the most part, were those who literally had no choice, right? They You know, they had to make a decision. It was a hospital discharge or something like that. And then as May and June came around, we saw that the lingering effects of COVID for people at home the isolation, the, you know, the increasing, um, you know, long-time isolation where maybe adult children um, were struggling to try and keep up with them and, and the things that they were dealing with, we started to see people approach COVID differently. And certainly by June and into July, began to what I refer to as normalize it, right? So, you know, start to look at saying, okay, mom and dad are in a difficult space. You know, COVID doesn't represent the kind of challenge that, that they are facing at home without access to, you know, to their medical offices were sometimes shut down. You know, if they didn't have prescriptions being delivered, if they didn't have food being delivered, those were very real and in front of them. And COVID was a potential hazard where they had a real Hmm. hazard in front of them. So we definitely saw kind of a mindset shift that happened kind of in the in the May to June timeframe, where people started to say this isn't going away, um, I need options. I need a better environment, and so they kind of turned to uh, to senior living options in the senior living world as a better alternative. And then well, I would I would say on the flip side of that, senior living communities, you know, they um, you. know We keep track of which ones are accepting residents, which ones aren't, which ones you can visit, who's doing physical tours versus virtual tours, and really keeping people informed of, again, what their options are and what's happening in senior
0: living. So it's really presented a new challenge. There was so much publicity about the the amount of COVID in senior residences um, were – were families less likely to uh, take the parent who who could be living with them for sh- who knows how long? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. For a period of time, and then say, "Well, let's see what happens." Or do you think you, they? So that yeah, that's what able, we started. Was was it was uh, a place for mom able to evaluate? where to put that, that person, you know, based on the kind of um, results the particular uh, residents had.
2: Sure. Yeah, I think, you know, kind of what we saw at first was that reticence that you're talking about, right? I'll move mom in with me, or if that's not possible, I'll wait you know, the, the, the let's wait it out thing, this wait is not going to last yeah. very long, right? And so we saw, you know, we do, um, we've done benchmarking surveys with families um, mm-hmm. throughout the COVID time frame. And so, you know, when we did our first um, family surveys in early April, um, <clears throat> families were saying that, you know, COVID represented, you know, a, a big part of their decision making, more important than some other things. And then yes. we benchmarked that every three work, three weeks during COVID to yes. where we we saw that, that percentage of, of the what COVID represented in their decision making shrink every month, right? It's like uh-huh. as this continues on um, you know, like I said, there there are real dangers that we're seeing, you know, with mom and dad versus yes. this potential danger. And so, you know, just like people are learning to work around, you know, they're not they're not maybe having to, um, you know, wash down, you know, every box that they bring into their home, or you know, every time they go to the grocery store, they're not shifting things into different containers as maybe they thought they needed to do at first, they're beginning to normalize it a little bit. Yeah, so that's certainly bit. what we saw. And, and you know, again, yeah. we we kind of immediately snapped into action and, and started um, producing what what is now a pretty big um, database of yeah. every single senior living community that we work with across the country, what their status is. Are they, you know, open or closed for new residents? And as I said, right. do they have you know, dining in the dining rooms, or are people still getting meals right. in their apartments? And are they resuming activities? Can they get visitors? And so okay. helping to understand those things and helping to position those for families gives them a sense of, okay, here here's what's happening in senior living, and, you know, here's where I can feel comfortable, here's where I can't. The number one reason that families are holding off now is not so much um, that they're a they're afraid of the disease because 90% of the deaths happened in um, skilled nursing facilities and not really in assisted living communities. Um, But it's that fear of if I move mom or dad in now and I'm not able to visit, how will I feel and how will my mom or dad feel? And so um, it's really about, you know, which communities are doing what to to facilitate that. How can we visit? Sometimes they're called porch visits. Um, where they can get together in an area, in a courtyard, in the community, and so mm-hmm. it's really about finding ways to work around what the dangers are and yeah,
0: make it work. Yep.
1: So, so with my mother uh, and my mother-in-law, you know, there were different stages of need. I mean, at first, we she lived in her own home, and then she needed some help, so her sister moved in with her, and they were getting along. But then my mother started. Uh, having some memory issues and was driving her sister crazy instead of being passionate and understanding. You know, she would uh, yell at her and say, well, I just told you that. Why can't you remember? You know, just totally clueless about that. So we had to separate the two. So we put them in um, independent living uh, in two different buildings (laughs) because they would have killed each other. And that worked out for a while. What do you say to the people who, you know, there's no problem now. Everything's fine. I always tell people, you know, in my book, that if you're not a caregiver, just wait. You're either going to become one or you're going to need one. There's no right. escaping it. Now is the time to prepare to become a caregiver, and uh, you know, don't just wait till it's, uh, you know, because one day you're normal and the next day, boom, your parent falls down, breaks a hip, and boom, you're a caregiver, and now right. you don't have time to scratch your head. So, how much preparation should be done? When things are normal, when this is the last thing you're thinking about, putting mom somewhere or dad somewhere, you know, they seem they seem healthy enough. You know, they're living together, they take care of each other, but that can change like that, can it?
2: Exactly, and it does oftentimes, right? And so having those conversations early with your parent um, and putting a game plan together. And sometimes people are confused about you know what that means and how do I how do I approach that conversation? And so you know, starting with the words, "Hey, mom." I really want to have this conversation so you can You had me at Hey
1: Mom. Right. Yeah,
2: the Hey Mom conversation. Exactly. Yeah, they, they
1: know that's coming.
2: They do. And in and positioning it in a way that we're having it now, look, I'm not concerned about you today, but we're going to have this conversation now because at a certain point when we really need it, you're not going to want to have it, and so let's have it today and set a game plan, right? Like the
1: prepaid burials, right?
2: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But I do think that there are some things that, you know, people talk about, well, how do you know when the time is right and and when somebody, especially if you're dealing with cognitive issues, um, you know, they expect the parent to make these decisions for themselves When they don't have the cognitive ability to do that and so that's really unfair to the parent and so the child has to assume that role at a certain point but if if you're able to talk about milestones with a parent if you're able to say okay when you're not able to you know go grocery shopping and you know get yourself nutritious meals any longer i think it's time for us to have that you know to really have a plan in place where you can be in an environment that provides that when you're not able to drive any longer, and I'm not able to drive you around, then we really need to make a plan. So I think people feel the taking feel the less,
0: keys, the taking the, the keys discussion, the keys <laughs> exactly. And,
2: and I think, but, but I think adult children feel more comfortable talking about milestones than they do about like I'm going to take you from your home, right? And so. Everybody can agree on milestones to a certain extent, right? I mean, somebody who's healthy, a parent that's healthy, when you say when you're no longer able to do this, they often will say, well, yeah, you know, if I get to that point, okay, right? And so, you know, because they don't, they think that it's a, it's a ways off, but it could happen right. tomorrow. And so I think agreeing on some milestones, getting their overall philosophy, so that if you have to, as an adult child, take the parent role and make these decisions, you know that when you spoke to your parents, when they were fully cognitively aware, they made their their wishes known and you agreed to kind of what was going to happen, it takes some of the sting out of it when an adult child has to take over that parent role. So I think early and often is what I would suggest about having these conversations. So that you remove, um, you know, the... the, um, the stigma from having the conversations when somebody's already not doing well, and the trauma and the emotional nature, you've had it, you've set a game plan, and then later it's just about enacting that plan. And so that's what allows an adult child to feel better about it when those tough decisions come.
0: Yeah. Um, I have a question. Uh, my, uh, my father was diagnosed with cancer at about 80. Uh, my mother was 79 78 and it was his idea that they should move from their senior you know that it wasn't a group home or you know it was a, just, just just a senior living it was a Big senior living center, like adult active kind of active yeah, adult right adult lifestyle. Lots of yep. golf courses, yep. of all that stuff. And uh, he felt that because he might not be around. He wanted her in a place that would progress with as with her needs as she needed them. But they would have an apartment, move all their fur- you know, move their furniture in as much as they needed, yeah. and as her needs grew, that they would be able, she would be able to stay in the same place but go to the next level of care. Are are there any of those facilities that are placed for mom? Absolutely.
2: Yeah, aging in place is an important part of senior living, right? And that's why we try, you know, when we talk to families, really plan for, okay, here's where they are today, but what may come, right? And so somebody who is moving into an independent living-only community, you know that chances are they're going to have to make another move at some point, right? And right. so you want to make sure that you anticipate those and yes. help a family to understand that the fewer transitions a senior goes through, the better,
1: better. especially if you're yeah. dealing
2: with somebody with cognitive issues. Change is extremely hard for most of us, but for somebody with cognitive issues, you know, it's really difficult. And so we want to make sure that we get somebody into an environment where they can age in place, and that means that there are increasing service um, and care levels that they can go to to manage essentially until end of life, right, and, and yes. they may layer on hospice or palliative care, or they may, if they, you know, if they have something invasive, need to go to skilled nursing um, yes. as a last resort. But but with a with most assisted living communities, especially those with memory care uh, neighborhoods within them, a senior can age in place, and yes. and can you know they can take them through end of life, and so that discussion is really important because especially if somebody if a family comes to us a little bit later in their journey and there's already a pretty high care need, really getting them into the right environment that can see that care level increase through time is important so that we don't have to make another change for the family. So, you know, understanding what their needs are. If you have somebody with a degenerative disease like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or, you know, most anything today, you you know that care needs are only going to increase. But the financial
0: aspects of it, very.
1: Yeah. I was going to ask about the cost, but before yeah. we do that, let's take a quick break. We'll be right okay. back. Don't go away. <laughs> yep. And we're back with Sue Johannesson, Johansson and Adrian Gruberg, my co-host, and I'm caregiver Dave. So um, let's talk about cost. What does all this stuff cost? And, you know, a lot of people can't afford it, but there are ways – that you can pay, right? And also the second part of that question uh, is almost a joke, but it's not a joke because a lot of people now are taking world cruises one year, two year, three year, and it's costing less than a full blown, uh, you know, independent living or nursing home or uh, you know, my mother was paying thirty five hundred dollars a month for her facility. I have a long care policy that will pay um, up to twelve thousand dollars a month, and I think I'd rather just go on a cruise, get entertainment, get good food. You know, so let's talk about that possibility and the cost of your traditional um, senior living um, options.
2: Sure, absolutely. So. Um Yes, seeing, you know there there are costs associated with senior living, and, and we talked about the spectrum earlier. Obviously, you know th- those that are just independent living, it's essentially the you know, the cost of an apartment and um, you know the the food and housekeeping, if you will. It's really where you start to layer on care services that senior living can get. You know, much more costly, and so it depends on the acuity of care that somebody needs um, to really what the budget impact is going to be. And so most senior living communities have what they call kind of base, um, you know, board and care, which is the apartment and the food and the transportation and activities. That is all bundled into one, and they assess care needs separately. And so you start to begin to see what the baseline is, and they oftentimes have care services bundled into levels, like somebody is a low-care, may just need medication management, and and then they go to medium care, which means some assistance with bathing, that kind of thing. Um, And very high-acuity care could mean somebody who needs um, you know, a two-person transfer from, you know, bed to a wheelchair or, you know, total care with bathing and, and incontinence, both bowel and bladder, those kinds of things. And so you really, you know, you need to understand the care services necessary to understand the cost. Um, you know, we have uh, a couple of tools on our website that talk about um, the senior living cost uh, index across the country, trying to get a relative comparison so people can get a sense of that. Um, I have I have talked about the uh, around the world cruise or um, somebody going into a Holiday Inn instead of going into a senior living community, and I think you know there are a few things about that. One is I think when you're well that sounds awesome right to get on a cruise and go around the world and you know see sights and those kinds of things uh there are no care services aboard any of the cruise ships right so so that that could be an option for somebody who was very independent and they had that budget and wanted to spend it that way Usually, they're comparing that kind of cost to somebody in a pretty high acuity um, care environment, and so the two aren't inter- interchangeable. I would hate for somebody to think that when they've got high care needs, they're going to get on board a ship and they're going to be taken care of at that level. Right? That's just not the case. And so
1: maybe that's um, maybe that's why they need to do it now. Exactly <laughs> when yeah. they can. You know,
2: right? You know, and I and I do think there is an element of. Um, especially for those that have um, degenerative cognitive issues, right? Is I always tell families, you know, spend for a great environment when they're able to take advantage of the services and amenities that are offered, right? You know, because there there is very specific evidence about the fact that you can plateau somebody's cognitive decline with with stimulation and music and small motor activities and if somebody is getting the kind of care that they need and stimulation then they can have a healthier happier life longer whereas if you are at the end of your Alzheimer's journey um, it probably makes less difference what kind of you know meals are in a dining room and those kinds of things you're just not there and so really understanding how to get the most out of the different senior living environments at the different segments of somebody's journey is really an important part of that. So I say, you know, if somebody is going to run through their funds at a certain point, I say put somebody in the right environment where they're able to engage socially, get the most out of the programming, and, you know, then you can go on a spend down and be in a different environment as they're at the end of life, and that makes more sense to me.
1: Like I tell my kids, make sure you put me at Malibu overlooking the ocean. He says, Dad, if you don't know who you are, we're putting you in a cheap place.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? If it doesn't matter, if you could be in Malibu all day long by staring at a wall, right, because you're in Malibu in your mind, more power to you. But you know, So I really think that the people n- need to understand the progression of the disease that they're dealing with, the, the progression of aging, and engage people when they can engage, right? Make sure that that mm-hmm. experience is the best that it can be, and then when it matters less than actual safety is a bigger concern are you getting you know are you getting the medications that you need and, and the care that's when you're in an environment where all the bells and whistles really don't add much
1: yeah wow amazing how fast time is flying we've only got a few minutes left uh, is there things that you want to talk about that we have not discussed yet and then we'll give you your contact information at the very end there.
2: Sure. I think, you know, I think knowing that there are people available who understand this world and can help you navigate in and of itself is something that I, I hope is helpful to families. And if, you know, nobody wants really to talk about this much until you need to, you know, so so to kind of slip that in the back of their mind, that when when you're faced with this challenge, that there are people that can help you navigate through it, and as we talked about earlier, you know, trying to set a game plan. Um, if your parents are well now, time to have that conversation and set a game plan and prepare for that, so that it doesn't come as a shock to everybody. And you're not dealing with, um, you know, perhaps a hospital stay or a, or a difficult health situation at the same time you're scrambling to to make choices. Right? That that emotional nature of dealing with those two things at once is what makes this so difficult and why people talk about it. Not only are you dealing with coming to grips with what your what your parents' health is, what's happened to their health, but you're also then trying to take the lead and, and navigate something that you've got no experience with. So knowing that there are options and help available hopefully will be helpful to people.
1: And I'm sure you've run into people, uh, caregivers, who are just killing themselves because uh, after you ask some questions, you find that, this person they're caring for requires 24-7 care, You know, yeah. getting up in the middle of the night, turning them over so they don't get bed sores, etc. cetera. Yeah. Um, what do you tell those people that just believe, no, I promised I would never put my mom in a nursing home and this and that, and uh, you know, they're gonna sacrifice themselves and no loved one would want their loved one to do that. I wouldn't want my kids to do that for me and right. my parents wouldn't want me to do that for them. So how do you get through to these people that you're just killing yourself the, you know the time has come to go into a facility you can no longer take care of them by yourself
2: I think sometimes it's it's flipping that because we always want to go to the health of the caregiver first and when somebody's in that mindset they're not thinking of themselves first so it's helping them to understand that they as one person can't really provide the care that's going to make their loved one you know as, as well as they can be because they're only one person. So by the time they fall down, you know, kind of like my father-in-law's experience, right, he's doing all of this, but he's not really giving my mother-in-law everything she needed to be as well as she could be for as long as possible. So when they, if you can, if you can shift the conversation a little bit and talk about the fact that, you know, through no fault of their own, they can't meet all the needs of their spouse any longer. And that's not good for either of them, right? It's not good for the spouse, and it's not good for them.
1: And I'm thinking a good facility uh, would make your loved one happier because now she has all these new friends that they're making, and right. she's getting you know regular meals. And many of the diets are pretty good. I used to eat at my mother's place, uh, and I'd say, man, this is good stuff. You know, I wouldn't mind right. living here if I had to. And uh, the activities, I mean, they do fun things. They go on outings if they can. They have a lot of uh, cool toys uh, and games that they play in there. And let's not forget that romance is going on over there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and again, you know, that then you can you can retain the spouse relationship, right? If you're no longer the caregiver, you can visit your wife. Um, at the senior living community, she's happy. She can introduce you to some new friends that she's made, and you're not killing yourself. And so, you know, yeah. it's, hopefully it's she's not cheating on
1: me over there. Hopefully she's exactly. not cheating on me over there too. <laughs> well, maybe
2: it's time. Who knows?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show. You've covered a lot of territory. How can somebody? get a hold of you if they want to just bend your ear and talk, or, or you could send them brochures of the different kinds of options. I mean, what is your typical phone call?
2: Yeah, so um, reaching out to a um you know, puts you in touch with a senior living advisor in your area, right? And so you can start to have the conversation, as you talked about before, of, Here's what's happening with me, what are the options, and, and you know we'll hear you out um, regardless of whether it's time for you to be in a senior living community. So really logging mm-hmm. on to our website is a good first step.
1: And as I recall, you guys get back to us really quickly, like sometimes yes. the same day uh, at the most oh, the ab- next day. Yeah.
2: Within, usually within yeah. 10 minutes, we'll be back with you. Um, wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. So we try, we know that sometimes families are calling us from, you know, rehab facilities or hospitals where they're in the middle of, you know, an urgent situation. So we're very respectful of that.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate uh, you coming on and contacting us because you contacted us and we said, yes, sounds like a great guest. Those of you uh, out there listening To us and watching us on the different Platforms we are Going to see you next week So goodbye And God bless you bye bye Stay safe
0: Sometimes it feels Like the sun Will never rise Like the birds will never see Again Keep breathing